John 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and he saw them following it and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. Amen. And we trust that the Lord will truly bless his word to us. Well, I wonder at the start of this year, have you had time to reflect on last year and how you served the Lord during then? For many, things will be quite a bit different where you had a pastor here last year where you don't this year. And maybe there will be changes in 2019. But as you reflected, if you did, on 2018, did you recognise that maybe you didn't try as hard as you could have? Maybe you could have done things a wee bit differently. Maybe you feel that what you have to offer isn't that substantial. Maybe you feel in the service of the Lord yourself, your time, your resources, your spiritual gifts, maybe you feel aren't as sufficient to really make a difference in the Lord's kingdom. Maybe you feel that uh, if you can't sing or you can't lead praise and worship, or maybe you can't you feel you can't organize one of the groups in the church or one of the activities. Maybe you feel if you can't speak or be able to pray and as you're praying that uh, folk are have their hearts shaken by the words of your prayer. And what do you have to offer in God's service? In our visible service up front, or leading a group is very important and it can be recognised very easily. Quiet acts done in the background are just as important. Small acts of service in a whole variety of different ways. Maybe few or none will be seen, but our Father sees them. Matthew 6 and 1 says be careful that we don't do our acts before men to be seen by them 
Andrew, the Apostle Andrew, never preached to a multitude of people. As far as we know, he never founded any churches. He never wrote any epistles. And he was only mentioned a few times in Scripture. Often where the disciples were being listed. And it was often written, Andrew, Peter's brother. Yet his service has been recognised over the centuries. In Scotland, after all, he's our patron saint. And our national flag is the Saltire or St Andrew's Cross. We're not the only country that has him as a patron saint. And there's a number of other countries. Barbados, Georgia, Ukraine, Russia, Sicily, Greece, Cyprus and Romania all recognise Andrew as their patron saint. Yet Andrew's testimony teaches us that there are no insignificant gifts. However small our contributions may be, they can be used together with others for all sorts of service. But Andrew was definitely a team player. If we were to consider Andrew from a 2019 business standpoint, we would describe him possibly as a link man or a link person if we're being politically correct. Someone who's very much committed to the task in hand and he plays an important part in making sure that matters progress. He's someone who's very much aware of what's going on round about him and he can be a link in helping others. He's a good helping hand. Let's have a wee look at some background with, about Andrew. Now, Andrew and Peter's family came from Bethsaida and that's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. We're not quite sure where Bethsaida is, um, but they moved from this small village to Capernaum that was a much larger town. And that's where they had their fishing business. Now there were other brothers that came from Bethsaida and that was James and John. And they were all partners in a fishing business. We know that Andrew and Peter's father's name was John or Jonah as it may have been at that time. And Andrew was always listed as one of the top four apostles, along with Peter, James and John. And they must have been a formidable group, having known each other and having worked together over the years prior to them coming to serve the Lord. Andrew's name means manly, and it would have been fitting for the type of fishing that he did required an awful lot of physical strength. And he had other characteristics, for we know he was a very straightforward, ordinary person who was decisive in his approach. Now the Bible doesn't mention Andrew's death, but it is widely believed he was tied to a cross, an egg-shaped cross, and it took two days of suffering before he died. Now Andrew was Jesus' first disciple. 
We saw in the passage we read how Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And John was a rugged man who lived in the desert and he was clothed in camel's hair. And his diet was really peculiar, being locusts and wild honey. Imagine if you served that tomorrow. Andrew, like all the young Jewish men, would have been taught from an early age about the coming Messiah. But at this point, 400 years had passed since God last spoke. And that's when he spoke through the prophet Malachi. But here was John the Baptist, and he was described as a voice of one calling in the wilderness, challenging the people to prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. John was telling the crowds that the Messiah would soon be coming, and those who by faith received his good news, they would be baptised by the Holy Spirit, and he would gather his own, and those who rejected him would be burned up like chaff in an unquenchable fire, and that's Matthew chapter 3. And Andrew recognised the words that John was sharing to be the truth of scripture. And that's how Andrew followed John the Baptist. Now when John the Baptist was questioned by the priests and Levites as he was, he freely admitted that he was not the Messiah, but merely a voice in the wilderness. And that he was unworthy to untie the straps and the sandals of Christ. Andrew, like many, had been waiting for the Messiah and he must have been absolutely overjoyed when Jesus walked by and John the Baptist said, Look, the Lamb of God. Both Andrew and John, the other disciple with him, immediately left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. Now there's a small lesson for us here. Andrew and John had learned to trust John the Baptist they believed in what he was saying. And when he recognised Christ walking by and pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God, there no hesitation. When John the Baptist said, they recognised, here was the truth, here was Jesus Christ. The biblical story goes on. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Now that's about four o'clock in the afternoon when they met Christ. They went with him to the place he was staying and they spent the remainder of the day with him. Now these two men were privileged to spend the afternoon and the evening with Jesus. And when they left, they were convinced they'd found the true Messiah. They met, they got to know Christ, and they began to be taught by Christ that day. And that's how Andrew, together with John, became Jesus' first disciples. And notice the first thing that Andrew did, verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, 
We've found the Messiah. That's the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. The news was too good to keep to himself. So Andrew went and found the one person he most wanted to know Jesus and led him to Christ. Question. Do we still have that zeal to bring those close to us to Christ? Sandra and our family and I were privileged to uh, live in the borders for a while. And when we were there, we worshipped and served in a very small church. During that time, a lady came to know the Lord and there was great encouragement within the fellowship because it was a wee fellowship. The lady had problems and she was attending Alcoholics Anonymous. But before we knew it, there were others coming to the church before going on to the AA meeting. And a number of them were led to know the Lord as their saviour. The Lord was working through the life of one woman who had the zeal for Christ. We're told in scripture that Andrew and Peter went back to Capernaum and continued fishing for what may have been several months. And that's when they were called by Jesus and given the roles as fishers of men. And that's Matthew 4. That's when they left their fishing business and followed Jesus. But tonight, let's consider something of Andrew's character and his leadership. For the brothers Andrew and Peter had completely different styles of leadership. Peter was brash, clumsy, hasty, impulsive. Growing up with Peter, Andrew must have known the moment that Peter joined the disciples, he would be taking a leading role, and as a result, Andrew would be less prominent. <laughs> and yet, there was no bitterness, sibling rivalry, or any estrangement to be found between these men of God. Andrew knew in his heart that being called by the Lord <coughs> meant the Messiah had great things for each and every one of them <coughs> to do. While well, Peter's leadership style was bold and aggressive, Andrew's leadership style was one where he used the gifts that, and the calling that he had. He worked in the background as a one-on-one -on -one evangelist. He was a link man. <coughs> he knew what was going on. You'll not find stories of Andrew walking in water or preaching in front of big crowds like his brother Peter. Andrew's contribution is equally impressive for he certainly knew the value of relational ministry. His eagerness to follow Christ combined with his zeal for introducing others fairly typifies Andrew's character. John MacArthur in his book 12 Ordinary Men says, now there were certainly times when following Peter's leader, acting with the other disciples, Andrew made the same mistakes they made. But whenever his name is expressly mentioned, whenever he rises above the others 
and acts or speaks as an individual, Scripture commends him for what he does. He was an effective leader, even though he never took the spotlight. And can I recommend that if you want to find more of the disciples, including Andrew, this is a superb wee book, John MacArthur's Twelve Ordinary Men. Ian was praying for, there's been an ordinary fellowship before, Twelve Ordinary Men, and we're looking at one of these ordinary men this evening. You know, <clears throat> this fellowship, together with all fellowships, really needs some men and women with an Andrew-like character to help it function effectively in the service of our Lord. Everyday usefulness in his service. Now I want to reverse things slightly. As we think of Andrew's character, consider some passages that don't mention Andrew. Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus took Peter, James and John with him, Andrew was left behind. Luke 8, at the healing of Jairus' daughter, when Jesus told everyone to leave, but he took Peter, James and John with him, and Andrew was left behind. Matthew 26 and Mark 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus took Peter, James and John with him into the deeper recesses of the garden. But Andrew was left behind. Andrew could have said, I'd like to have seen the transfiguration. I would like to have witnessed the healing of the wee girl. I would have liked to have been with Jesus and have sensed the real intensity of praying in the garden. But Andrew had no such thoughts. Why? Because Andrew knew and loved Jesus. He knew how to serve him. And although 1 Corinthians 13 had yet to be written, Andrew understood what 1 Corinthians 13, 4 would say, love does not envy. He had the love of his Lord and everyday usefulness in his service. The Holy Spirit provides us with glimpses into the life of Andrew, and he shows us that God doesn't depend on super saints, but he'd rather work through ordinary people who are willing to obey him without any accolades. God can accomplish the extraordinary through people who simply obey him, obey his call and serve him wherever he directs, everyday usefulness in his service. These glimpses in the life of one man willing to obey God without any reservation, this non-glory seeking disciple of Jesus, and the events of his life served to identify him as one ordinary person who did the extraordinary out of love of Jesus. I'd like to briefly just look at three further aspects. His inconspicuous service, 
the small gifts of service that you did in reaching others one-on-one. So first of all, Andrew, his inconspicuous service. Some Christians will not get involved in serving unless they're guaranteed some reward or recognition for their service. Now that may sound preposterous, yet the mother of Zebedee asked that her children be elevated to sit at the right and the left hand of Jesus, Matthew 20. Or at the time when a dispute erupted amongst the disciples about whom amongst them was considered the greatest, Luke 22. Or the time when Peter boldly asked Christ what the disciples would get for giving up everything to become fishers of men, Matthew 19. In response, Jesus reminded the apostles that they were not to be like the Gentiles and lord their possessions over them, but instead to be first. They must emulate Jesus and become servants, giving their lives as ransom to many, Matthew 20. For service is not about receiving worldly blessings, but choosing to be a living sacrifice. And like Andrew, our church leaders today must humbly serve God, whether in the spotlight or in the background. Andrew, having his name only mentioned nine times and often addressed as Andrew, Peter's brother, didn't bother Andrew, for he knew the value of serving God. It doesn't come from the results of service, but the honour in serving his Lord and Saviour. To answer Peter's question, what's in it for us? Jesus later on told the disciples that the reward would be one day to sit on twelve thrones and judge Israel and to receive eternal life. So whilst the apostles started clamouring for positions of power and authority, they later learned how to be living sacrifices, willing to risk everything for the sake of the kingdom. And from Andrew, we learn that effective leadership, whether public or private, only comes to those who are called and have humble, servant hearts, everyday usefulness in his service. Some years ago, my wife worked with another nurse who lived in a tenement block in the west side of Edinburgh. This lady served in her church And one of the services she did was in a church cleaning rota. Every month or so, she would be on cleaning duty and she would often take along one of her neighbours. They would work away and they would just talk, often relating to the church or to Jesus. And gradually over time, one by one, her neighbours came to know and love Christ. And the last time I heard from the eight houses in the stair, Every home but one had at least one person who was saved in it. Inconspicuous service. Everyday usefulness by ordinary people. Let's think about Andrew's small gifts of service. Andrew was a good leader because he saw Jesus as being the person who was able to perform miracles with even the smallest gifts. 
John chapter 6 tells us when Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd followed him because they saw him healing sick people. When Jesus saw the crowd coming towards him, he tested Philip by asking him where they might buy bread to feed so many people. Philip did some quick counting and said it would be impossible for it would cost eight months' salary in order to buy enough bread to give each person a mere bite. Now in Matthew, Mark and Luke's version of the story, the disciples recommended that Jesus send the crowds away to the villages in order to buy their own food. But John chapter 6 verse 6 says Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. None of the disciples seemed to know what to do except Andrew. It was at this point that he spoke up and said there was a boy that had five barley loaves and two fish. Andrew did something useful and this was used by our Lord to meet a very real need in the lives of many people. It was a miracle to be sure. And whilst we rightly focus on the miracle of multiplying the bread and fish into the enough for many, there are other wee miracles here as well. How did Andrew know about the lad in his lunch? How did Andrew talk the boy out of his lunch? You don't have to beg a small boy for his lunch if they don't like it. But if they do like it, and that's all that there is, you'll never get your hands on it. But Andrew did something without any thought of recognition. He was useful in bringing the boy to Jesus. A lad with his lunch became a link to the Lord. Andrew found a way to do something extraordinary without ever knowing it. And he did it with no request to be recognised. Andrew would have been aware that such a small amount of food would not physically feed many, but he believed no gift would be insignificant in the hands of the Saviour. Jesus, as we know, he blessed a small amount of food and he was able to feed 5,000 plus women and children. So from Andrew, we can learn the value in offering what little we have to Jesus. Whatever it is, whether it's our time, our resources, our money, our hospitality, our expertise, our muscle, our kindness, a listening ear, a word of prayer, a word of assurance, simply a smile or a helping hand. Remember what Jesus said about the poor widow who could only offer two mites of money. Even although the rich placed much more money in the offering plate, it was the widow whom Jesus commended because she gave not out of her abundance, but out of all that she had to live on. A leap of faith might require us to be like the boy in the feeding of the 5,000 who gave his, all his food or the poor widow who gave all that she had to, to live on. They didn't worry about their lives. 
what they would eat or drink because they knew that Jesus would take care of their needs. <coughs> and even when you're giving, when the giving of your gift is still small, never underestimate what God can do with your precious gift. The last time we were here, um, Alan Swanson from Blyswood was talking about Blyswood in the Christmas boxes. Small gifts for those who have very little. It's one way of helping. I'm sure you'd be welcome to attend and help if you're not already involved in Energize, Parents and Toddlers or the Taste and See Lunch, to mention a few. And this can lead the way to conversations. As folks try to understand the Christian faith, the reality of the Christian faith, the motivation of folk who are saved, and the difference a Christian faith can make in 2019. And one that I think is often underestimated or undervalued within fellowships, and that's prayer warriors. You know, folk who are often housebound, but they've been faithful all their days, and all it takes is someone to keep them posted with what's going on within the church fellowship, and they'll be there on the throne of grace, praying for the life and the well-being and the work of the fellowship. And please don't forget the needs too of the area, the local food bank, you know, great work that's, that's done there. But everyday usefulness to reach others. John 12 goes on to talk about another time where Andrew is mentioned. Some Greeks had come to the city of, as part of a worshipping crowd. They wanted to see one person. They wanted to see Jesus. How do you find one person in a big city that you don't know? Well, they happened to ask Philip. We'd like to see Jesus. I don't know whether Philip was caught off guard or what, but he didn't know how to answer them. But then he approached Andrew. He went to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip then in turn told Jesus. Andrew was never confused when someone wanted to see Jesus. When someone wanted to meet Jesus, he simply brought them. Andrew knew the Christ of John 6, 37. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Everyday usefulness. Andrew was obviously very comfortable introducing people to Christ because he did it often. He apparently knew Jesus well and he had no worries about bringing folk to him. It has been said that in bringing Peter to Christ, Andrew was the first home missionary. And when he brought the Greeks to Christ, he was also the first foreign missionary. Who here has heard of Mordecai Ham? Mordecai Ham's not a name that uh, I was familiar with, but he introduced a North Carolina teenager to the Lord. 
a teenager grew to be Dr. Billy Graham, who preached, who has preached to more people in his life than anyone else has in the Christian faith. Or Edward Kimball, no, I'm not talking about the TV programme. Edward Kimball was a timid man. He was soft-spoken. He taught Sunday school. And he tells how there was a young man started to come along to the Sunday school. He was not well taught. He was pretty illiterate. And he certainly was ignorant of the Bible. Edward Kimball went to his place of work. Went to the young man's place of work. And he said he was frightened. He was trembling. He was unsure what to do. And he was sure that he didn't have enough courage. And he said, I started down to the shoe store where this young man worked. And he began to wonder whether he should be going at all. He was pondering that much that he walked right past past the place. And then when he realised, he decided he was going to get a bit of strength and go in. And he walked straight in. He said that he found the man working in the stockroom and he was wrapping shoes. And he said when he spoke to him, he spoke to him with limping words. He couldn't remember what was said. It was something about Christ and his love and that was all. And he admitted later it was a very weak appeal. But the young man there and then gave his heart to the Lord. And that young man was D.L. Moody. Another outstanding Christian and leader. Now I use these two examples from many years ago. But who brought us to know Jesus in a very personal way? Should we not be doing likewise? Whilst many come to know Christ through big evangelistic campaigns, they're not happening nearly as frequently now. Others come to know Christ through groups such as Alpha or Christianity Explored. But many more come simply by someone telling them. Andrew introduced the leader of the twelve, Peter, to Jesus. Andrew was the one who spent time with the crowd and knew what the boy had to offer in the feeding of the five thousand. Andrew knew to take the foreign visitors to Jesus. Edward Kimball was the one who introduced D.L. Moody to Christ. Everyday usefulness of ordinary people. Now I want to conclude our time together by encouraging you to prayerfully reach out and develop relationships with those round about you. Whilst many become Christians through public testimony, many more become Christians through the testimony of a friend. You may not be called to be an evangelist like Billy Graham, who preached to millions and reached millions, but plant as many seeds as you can and trust that even though you don't see the fruits of your service, God will truly bless and your crops of 100, 60 or 30 times what's been sown, Matthew 13. Your gift, however small, in his service can achieve extraordinary results.
be like Andrew. Everyday usefulness in the service of our Lord. Amen. As we draw to a close, we're going to stand and sing hymn 1448, May the Mind of Christ My Saviour. <coughs>